Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Scentsy Brewcast. It's the voice of Scentsy Craft. Uh, it's a craft beer podcast. You know that by now. We run around from brewery to brewery, from taproom to taproom, from place to place, sitting down with the owners, the brewers, the drinkers of Cincinnati craft beer to uh, unravel all of the mysteries uh, within. <laughs> Not real. We just we go places and drink beer, you guys. That's, that's really all it's about. Um, this one is a fun one. It's, they're all fun, but this is a fun one. It's been way too long since I sat down here um, to to make a podcast, and certainly um, there has been plenty that has changed around here um, since then. I feel like Listerman Brewing Company is always going through some kind of change, evolution, growth. It's like this this constant evolving place. And I think that, uh, that, that is, uh, part of that is really what makes me fall in love with it. Every time I come in here, you're, you're always part of that process of this becoming uh, what it, what it will be the next time you come in, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Um, let's, let's roll around the, the table, the tables. Um, everybody introduce yourself, say who you are, what you do here. Um, and let people hear your voice. We'll start over here. Uh, yeah, thanks. Uh, my name is Matthew Daniel. I'm the head brewer here. Um, going on about, uh, two and a half months now in this position. Uh, I've been here in total for about two and a half years, going on two and a half years. Um, so yeah, it's been good. I spent my first two plus years learning from a lot of the guys that were here prior to me and getting a chance to become familiar with a lot of what Listerman is and has been and a lot of the aspirations for what Listerman always wants to be. Um, so it's been, it's been interesting, you know, stepping into this role in these last couple of months, a lot of what has come from that has been an opportunity to continue the, I guess, legacy of what Listerman is. Um, you don't come to Cincinnati and come into the craft industry without knowing Listerman. Right. Uh, it plays such a huge part in what the craft scene is here in this city. Um, and so it's been really cool to, I've had my years now to get familiar with a lot of what that was and, and where it's been and where it's going. And then to now, uh, as, as this new team has really stepped in, uh, taking everything about what we are and what we have been and bringing a new flavor to it, a new style to it. Um, yeah, it's been, it's been awesome getting a chance to, you know, take it where it's been and, and also finding ways to make it our own at the same time. And so. we will definitely dive into that a little bit and kind of unravel oh, yeah. who, who Listerman is today versus um, maybe where they were uh, 13 years ago when, when this all, well, <laughs> that's not even fair. 13 years ago when this brewery started, even further than that when all of this started. Um, and there are plenty of episodes that kind of dive into the history of Listerman. I'll put them in the show notes as long as I remember to. Um, if, if they're not in there, check in a week and I'll probably have remembered and put them in there. Um, let's keep going around here. Yeah. Uh, hi, my name is Abby. I am the taproom manager and director of taproom marketing and events. Um, started as a bartender and kind of just climbed my way up the ladder since then. Jessica, I'm the head of marketing. Uh, I also started as a bartender about three years ago and worked my way up. Uh, I'm Dan Listerman. I'm the founder and owner, along with Mrs. Listerman of the brewery. And I am John Vollman, the general manager here at Listerman. Uh, 
I've been here for about a year and a half now, going a little over a year and a half. Uh, I came from the distribution game before coming over to Listerman. Fantastic. Um, before, well, we, we need to drink a beer before we do anything else. I have a beer in front of me, and um, we need to talk about it a little bit because, again, it's a craft beer podcast. That's the whole point is drinking beer. Um, what did you bring me here? Oh, what are you drinking? You are drinking. I actually left this as a dealer's choice. I told our bartender that you were going to be having a, uh, you asked specifically for a lager. Uh, so what you are drinking right now is Soto, which is a, uh, it's a Soto basement lager, which we've been making now for, anybody got a timeline on that? I think it's about two years, uh, yeah. maybe maybe a little over or maybe a little under, but about yeah. two years. Yeah, it's a, it's a traditional lager that we actually are making specifically for Soto, the restaurant downtown. Right. Um, because of that, I'm not going to say anything too specific. <laughs> I, uh, um, I have had this before when I was at Soto. Um, it was... Uh, Almost, there was one other time since then that my wife and I have actually gotten away from our children to go out, the two of us, and one of them we went down to Soto, and I was thrilled to see this on tap there um, and drank a whole bunch of it that night um, you know, to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Uh, the night before that, um, my wife found out she was pregnant and couldn't drink, so I had a driver and <laughs> was able to drink very heavily while she sat there very grumpily watching me. <laughs> it was uh, it was a fun night, but this beer is great. It's crisp, uh, uh, crispy boy as the, uh, the, the nerds like to, to say mm -hmm. these days, um, super refreshing. It just, you know, on, you know, a nice summer afternoon like this, we got a little tease this morning. It was a little bit chilly outside and then it just, somebody flipped the switch and it's hot it's again. <laughs> It fits perfect in that that weather for me. Um, you guys have an we'll 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 dive kind of pretty deep into again who Listerman is, but um, a big part of your personality that I think wasn't getting enough credit for a while is this traditional logger side of what you do. Um, there is definitely other sides to that personality that were very loud for a very long time that maybe. Uh, drowned out a little bit the uh, um, this side of the personality. Um, talk about how in um, today's craft beer world where uh, what is trendy changes so quickly being able to have those different sides of your personality, how that how that factors into all of this? Uh, sure. I mean, it's a I very think. long question. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, so, of course, with, you know, our creative, our pastry stouts and all that kind of stuff that a lot of people have come to know Listerman for, there, of course, is a market for that, you know, and but that's more of your craft beer nerd, that kind of person who is seeking those out. I don't know about you guys. My mom and my dad are not going out and seeking out pastry stouts or New England IPAs. That's just not the way they do things. They like the more traditional styles. And I think you see really the craft beer industry, the craft beer consumer coming back to the traditional styles. You know, it, it is more about beer community and to be able to really have time in the community and bring people together over beer. It's drinking more than one beer at a time. You can't sit there and drink 13% pastry stouts for hours with your friends, you know, but with your lagers, you can drink them all day long, 
you know, which gives you more time to hang out and create community and memories with people. Um, they're good for hot weather. They're good for cold weather. They're just if you ask me, lagers are the best beer there is. <laughs> I I love when you know you have somebody that comes over to your house to be able to reach into the fridge and just grab something that you know everybody is going to enjoy. If I if I reach in and grab some kind of big pastry stout or a New England IPA or even something like Chicao or Nutcase, you know some of those classic ones. There there's people that are like, oh yeah, I, I really don't I don't really like peanut butter, you know whatever it is. And um, or I could drink <laughs> half of this, right? But you're you're never going to get somebody that is me like, oh yeah, I. I don't like that. I don't, I don't like, I don't like a good crispy lager. <laughs> right, Everybody right. likes it. Everybody will drink this. And when you're a craft beer lover, you know, you have people over to your house and they're like, Hey man, what do you have for me to try? Yeah. You know, and especially when you work for a brewery, what do you have for me? Well, a lot of people that I have over are not a nerd like I am. Right. So having some nice crispy boys in the fridge for them that I can bust out and they're like, wow, this is a great beer. This, you guys made this. <laughs> I thought you guys only did crazy stuff. I didn't know you made solid traditional styles like this, you know? That that means a lot. How do you maintain that balance as a brewery when um, there are so many people that absolutely love this place because they can come in here and there's probably going to be a pastry stout on tap and there's probably going to be a New England IPA. There's you know there, right now there's you know what there's a cider on tap. You guys make wine. You've got wine in there. You've got lagers. You've got pastry stouts. You've got New England IPAs. That's a that, that, that's a lot of different sides of a personality to try to juggle and. Uh, and tell people this is who we are. How do you, how do you balance that? On uh, e on either I'll, end. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you a couple <laughs> different things here. Uh, you know, first off in the tap room, which I can let Abby take a little more on that, that we, for every person that walks in our tap room, we want to have something for them that they can sit down and enjoy. We don't want any person to ever come in here and feel like there's not an option for them. The more real answer is sitting directly to my right. Uh, <laughs> he, when I say he, Dan Listerman, which he can speak on it if he would like to, uh, he said, yo guys, I need traditional style German <laughs> beers in here. You cannot just do all this funky stuff all the time. I need good traditional beer. I believe, so, I believe there was Dan's a, quote, a big part of that. I believe there was a quote on my show at one point of him saying, I don't really care what they do as long as they keep making fire bacon. <laughs> <laughs> But what true. you said was exactly <laughs> the reason for it. I want something here that anybody can enjoy. And I, that's the bottom line. I, I, otherwise, people, they'll come in, they'll have one, they'll, they'll tolerate one beer, they'll go away, never come back and say horrible things. Right. But you have to have something for them. That's a that's really tough to to balance when you're trying to uh, trying to tell people who you are as a brewery when you're trying to you know if you're urban artifact you can just say hey yeah we, we make sour beer and like that's all you have to tell people <laughs> and they understand right that okay I know who they are or you know who you know name another brewery and we can tell you who they are in one quick little thing uh, how do you do that with Listerman how do you sixteen taps <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> Is it is it tough on um, on uh, on, uh, on a social media front too to to have different people who in their mind this is what Listerman is this is what Listerman is supposed to make when I walk in and I see four loggers um, I, I don't want that I want all I want all New England IPAs um, that that again that that balance of people's 
experience of what they think this is to them. Well, and I think that's something that speaks to the nature of the industry right now, too, is finding the balance between respecting those traditional styles, but still being willing to be daring and trying those experimental styles as well and finding the balance on where that is. And it's dynamic, I think, from season to season because it is such a volatile industry. Um, it's, it's changing, which is why we're, I think, very blessed to have 18 taps where we get to experiment and see what works and see what doesn't work and pay attention to how people are reacting. Um, I think that's a, that's a big tell for somebody in the industry, for sure. What are some of the things you are seeing from uh, drinkers lately? Are, do, you, do you see more people coming in and expecting traditional lagers? Do you see less people running and trying to snag the latest New England IPA? Um, I mean, in my head that's happening, but I don't know that it really is. <laughs> well, and it's interesting that you say that because I think over the summer especially, we saw an influx in people wanting sours. Right. And so as we're getting into fall, we're seeing the ciders and the seltzers have been a big thing that you're starting to see pop up, especially over this past summer. Um, and then you go into the fall and it's quote unquote stout season. But for us, that might be all year long, you know. So let's uh, let backtrack a couple things there. You sure. talked about seltzer. That's a good little road we can go down. Um, you guys have not done a seltzer. We have not. Um, are you going to make a seltzer? <laughs> Come to the anniversary party. <laughs> Find out. Um, clearly, there are people that are clamoring for things like that, but I, I still can't figure out what it is they're actually looking for. And I think that that is um, the hardest thing as as a brewery to really understand when a drinker is walking in your door. What is it when they say, oh, I, I, I really just want a, a cider? Why? Like, why is that the thing that you're gravitating towards? When I, when I really, when they walk in and they say, I want a seltzer, why are they wanting a seltzer? What is the actual core of that thing that they're ordering? And how do you always meet that need? Um, I think really it's about trying to find the balance. You can only chase what you think the public wants to a certain extent. Um, at some point, you still have to define your own identity on your own. Mm -hmm. um, I think it is important to listen to what people want and try to accommodate that. Um, we try really hard, you know, as Dan was saying, like the advantage of having the number of taps that we do, our objective really is to make sure that we accommodate as many different types of beer drinkers or if they're, you know, cider drinkers, whatever they may be, we want to make sure that we have something on tap or available to every customer that walks in the door. Do you hear that, cider drinkers? You both can come here and get a cider. <laughs> yep. You like your wine? Come see us. Me too. Um, but, you know, like, we, we want to make sure that we are accommodating to the customer, and that, that comes with listening to social media. That comes with, you know, checking with other breweries. What's moving for you? What's not moving for you? What are you guys seeing as trends? But at the same time, you still have to put your own stamp on who you are as a business. And so to... An, a certain extent it is about what is it that people are looking for and what do they want? Cause at the end of the day, we are a business. We are trying to accommodate customers. That is right. our objective. If people said, Hey, we don't want new England's anymore. And we just were like, no, we're going to put eight new England's on tap. That's not, that's not good business. So we want to make sure that we are listening to what is happening in the beer drinking community. And we want to make sure we are accommodating that to an extent. But at the same time, in order to be a 
a business with identity, you need to have your own identity. So sometimes that means we're going to release something that nobody was asking for, right. but it's something that we are passionate about, something we really wanted to make. And sometimes that actually leads to those moments where it's like, oh man, that was a hit. People loved that. And it wasn't what they were expecting. It wasn't what they were asking for, but it's something that we were passionate about doing. And that is what maybe sometimes having those extra taps is something that gives us that opportunity to say like, you know, we're going we're gonna to try something here. Well, is, is part of the Listerman personality, I don't want to say chasing uh, trends, but like kind of poking at them and seeing what they're all about and see how they, how, how people do react to them. Like being, being willing to just try something and see what it is and, and, and how people react to it. Is that part of the Listerman thing or, um, I would say we are not chasing trends. Um, I would say we're more trendsetters, you know? I mean, we're one of the first ones really in the region doing these pastry stouts and that kind of thing. Um, so we can be super creative, but as we were talking about traditional stuff, you know, like um, we did a, a whole new world Pilsner. Um, so we're taking this traditional style, but we're calling it a new world Pilsner where we dose it up with a whole lot of lime, you know? so. We're taking traditional styles, we're adding a little creative edge to them to try to bring that consumer into that world of Listerman that we, that everybody you know, really loves of these crazy things that we do. That is more what I say we are tr out to do is bring your not everyday craft beer drinker into the chaos that we love to have you know <laughs> I mean, chaos, chaos is always a negative word but I don't, I don't look at it like that you but know like as as a craft beer drinker though like you you kind of want that chaos a little like yes i i want to be able to walk in and to be able to grab something like this that i can just sit and i can just drink without thinking about what i'm gonna get and, and what that means but then there's those days where you just want to come in i just want something i want something new something that i haven't had before i want something that is uh, fresh on tap that um just isn't something that I was yeah, when I, mean, I was walking in the door. I was thinking about. I, I it is so difficult to have a craft beer drinker come in and say, "Wow, I have never experienced that flavor profile on a beer before." You know, there's just right. so much beer out there. How do you create new, unique things when there's so much beer out there? And right. that's that's what we're trying to do. You know, is create that one of a kind experience for people that they haven't had anywhere else. If you could wrap up the 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 Listerman personality or uh, um, what this place is in a, in a neat little package, how would you describe it to people? Mm. My two words, collaboration and creativity. Uh, whether the collaboration be from the people within these four walls or whether it be the craft beer community or the consumers. It doesn't matter where the collaboration comes from. Uh, we're always open to new things we're always open to creating you know the new ideas to bold ideas we don't shy away from anything um so yeah collaboration and creativity it's it's so hard sometimes to describe to people what a place like this is because either number one they already have some kind of preconceived notion in their head something oh well my, my buddy really likes that place he goes there all the time he's all he buys is those pastry stouts just over and over and I, you know, I, I can't, I can't drink those. I can't, I can't drink that much of it. And that war, they, you know, don't know anything about it. And to try to, uh, to try to explain, oh, well, no, they, they really kind of have 
everything <laughs> like and then nobody really understands what that that means because there aren't many places that you can walk in and the same day that you can get a cider you can also get a traditional lager or a smoked bock or whatever it may be we also have the uh, new place the restaurant which has 12 taps right and the original concept behind that was to uh to uh have the more traditional styles up there with some of the unusual ones and the more unusual ones down here with some of the traditional ones but we're finding that uh, up there, the unusual ones are selling much better than we expected. Well, again, it's, 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 it's difficult. Uh, it, when you have that Listerman name sitting in front of something, if somebody walks in and be like, well, my Listerman makes New England IPAs. And the person sitting at the table next to me, well, no, my, my Listerman makes you know, you know, traditional lagers. That, that name has become so synonymous with uh, the chaos of, of so much stuff that... Um, to, to have a place that is like, oh, well, this is where our traditional stuff is. This is where the experimental thing is. It I, has I to be tough. Like having that, <laughs> you know, uh, that 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 appeals to me. Being able to be very uh, innovative, or rather, the covering covering a lot of turf at one time. Right. And some people say, well, you you if you try that, you can't uh, excel at any one of them. Well, that's not necessarily so. Uh, we, we've been doing this a while, and we know how to do that. Right. You know? Right. Um, how do you how do you navigate as things are changing in craft beer when you see something like seltzer happening? How do you know when it's something that you really need to pay more attention to versus something that um, maybe is a a flash in the pan or is drinkers thinking they want something when really they're just wanting you know something something else? <laughs> how do how do you navigate that kind of um, uh, that filtering of stuff as it's coming coming in front of you because there's a lot going on. I don't think we're above flashes in the pan. <laughs> well, uh, and but to give it to give it the uh, the attention that maybe some people want it um, to have. Yeah, I mean, I would say there's only so much tank space at the end of the day. There's only so <laughs> there are right. so only so many taps at the end of the day. To when you see trends, right? It's Trends equal dollar bills. And of course we're business, we're here to make money. That's how we keep bringing you awesome beers, by making money and keeping this business going. But we're in the business of bringing you awesome beer. We're not in the business of being rich. So yes, yeah, seltzers are a product that doesn't take much time in the tank. You know, all the overhead with a seltzer is very low and they sell. So there's a lot of money, money to be made in seltzer, obviously, why you see everyone jumping on the seltzer train. Are we jumping on the seltzer train? Yes, but we're doing it for our consumers. We're not doing it to get rich quick, you right. know? So there's that balance of making money and staying true to who we are, who we are. Um, you know, I mean, Dan started this business 30 years ago, manufacturing homebrew parts, and that was with the intentions of people brewing in their garage and coming up with new beer and pushing the limits of beer, you know, and that's who we are staying true to, um, where we're focused on the beer. We're focused on making awesome beer, making creative beer, making awesome traditional styles, all that kind of stuff. Money obviously has its place as it does in everything, but that's not what we're chasing. We're not chasing money. We're chasing the beer community. We're chasing the beer experience. And that's what we're after, you know, is, is beer, not money. Beer. And, and I, would, I would add to that, too. It's, it's a matter of 
it kind of comes back to what I had mentioned earlier is there's that fine line between if you, as a business, if your only objective is to chase after what you think is expected of you or what the consumers are asking for, and that's your only identity is to chase after what's being asked, you don't really have much of an identity. You're just at that point trying to catch up to whatever is happening in the moment. Um, seltzers are not new. We're, we're now we're now a couple of years into this game now where breweries are getting into the seltzer, you know, quote, game. Um, and there have been a handful of breweries that have gone into that endeavor and they've succeeded very well. And there are some that haven't. And the ones that have, like, to a certain extent, maybe their seltzer branch has become part of their identity. Right. Um, I think at a certain point, there has to be a line between what you're trying to chase in terms of what you're trying to just follow trends and where you're willing to dial it back and say, we're also going to take what may have been that, you know, maybe it was that barrel space, maybe it was the time commitment, but now we're gonna, instead of chasing whatever trend, we're gonna do something that's for us, that represents what our identity is. And it's not just about what people are setting as trends. If, if, you're, if you're only filling your tanks based on what you think people are talking about on social media, then you're, you're gonna continuously chase the tail. And at a certain point, you need to create your own thing. And I think that is part of what we evolve in, in this transitional process. Like we all want to carry on that is that Listerman is not about just following trends or uh, trying to keep up with whatever the trends are. Listerman has a name now that represents doing its own thing taking some risks, taking some shots at things that are a little bit new, a little bit outside of the box. And so, yeah, absolutely. As a business, we want to make sure we're doing what's necessary to, to stay alive in this industry today. But we also still want to represent what we are as, a, as our own brand. And right. some of that means that you're not chasing necessarily the next trend, but you're doing what you believe is a representation of who you are as a business. Again, that balance is so tough, though, like to listen to those people that are standing on the other side of the bar when they're in there saying, they don't want a seltzer. I need seltzer. That's all I like a seltzer, you know, and to listen to that and say, OK, well, you know, we we'll, maybe we'll play with that idea versus knowing we're we're a craft brewery. Like we don't need to have half of our taps dedicated to seltzer, no matter how many people are yelling that that's what they want that balance between those two is so difficult and you see you see places leaning either way you see places just completely listening to the, the loudest voices that they hear and um turning into a seltzer factory not that anybody locally is doing that i love you all um or the other <laughs> side people think oh we'll, we'll never do it i refuse to make i refuse to even put a seltzer on tap i refuse to even admit that this stuff exists because i'm a craft brewer and that's not craft beer and to find that place in the middle is seems to be very difficult. Well, you have to watch that you you, uh, you don't get bland. If you try to please too many people with the same product, you eventually start to become real sensitive to criticism, and you start taking steps that make your beer bland. And then you're in Heiser Bush. <laughs> right. You're sitting there looking at a Michelob Ultra. What's that all about? You know, no, that doesn't offend anybody. Well. I think water tastes pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> this beer is really refreshing. <laughs> well, and then I would, all, I would also say, you know, we have to listen to the market. 
right? We're in the business of selling beer. So what the market wants is somewhat what we produce. You know, I mean, you don't see us pushing tons of lagers to the market because face it, people are not buying four packs of 16 ounce canned lagers. You know, they just, if they're going to buy a lager, they're going to go buy a 30 rack of Bush Light. Right. I'm guilty of that myself. I, I love me some Bush Lattes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know, like, so, yeah, sure, we will make, you know, these great traditional lagers, but you'll see those in our tap room. You know, those then in our tap room, they sell. But out in the market, that's not what sells. What people want from Listerman that can't visit our tap room are our pastry stouts and our New England IPAs. And that's what we try to put out to the market. Why do you think that is? That's what craft beer is. I mean, we, you know, we're, we're not a large operation. We're a small operation. So, and we're more, I like to describe us, or Matthew likes to describe us as more of an artisan kind of operation. So, when you're looking at this niche product, um, that's, that's what people are going for. And that's what you're known for is the, the, the niche that you have, right? And in mm -hmm. our niche, some people wouldn't even say New England uh, IPAs are our niche. People would say pastry stouts are our niche, you know? And so each brewery has that thing that they excel at that people go looking for those beers on the shelves. I don't, but I don't think that's, you know, I don't know that that's necessarily fair. I think okay. that um, there are plenty of people that, that do come to Listerman for a, a, a great crispy boy. You know, I, I, every year, every this time of year, I'm headfirst into Oktoberfest beers and I do a bracket every year. Listerman's Oktoberfest we last year was, was my favorite Oktoberfest. Awesome. Yeah. I, can't, I can't go and buy as much of it as uh, other things because it's not, you, you can't find it the way you can find, you know, October fuel or something like that on a shelf. Sure. Um, it, um, it isn't that people don't want the, the loggers. It's that I, I don't know what it is. <laughs> I don't know if like when people are walking into their um, average craft beer store, they are looking for some of those, uh, some of those smaller products. Whereas when they're in a tap room, they, they maybe they're, they're looking for um, the loggers and things like that. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. See, I would I, say, you know, like if you go to a tap room and you have a lager there that you really love and then you see it on the shelf, you're more inclined to buy it. If you see a lager on the shelf that you've never tried, are you that inclined to purchase that? I'm, I'm a bad person be, to ask that question too. <laughs> you know? because yes, yes, I am. <laughs> you know, but like, I mean, I don't buy a whole lot of craft beer anymore, um, but I was never one to necessarily buy loggers right um you know i would see the ipas that i would be interested in that i've never tasted but it has citron galaxy in it and it's by a brand that i trust so i'll go ahead and take my chance on it without tasting it first i wouldn't say i'm so you know keen to do that with loggers so the majority of beer that is in my house is probably lighter lager it we have a garage fridge that's just always filled with good you know lawn mowing beers, you know, company beers. When somebody comes over and says, I just like beer. I don't like any of that weird stuff you have. That is the majority of beer that's in my house. 
it's also all made locally. I, you know, I've got, you know, garage beer and Taft's cold boy and stuff like that is what's filling that fridge right now because it is super available in, you know, big 15, 18 packs of beer. Um, I don't think that you, you can't say that Listerman wouldn't have a place in that market also. I think you bring up a good point, though, because craft beer would not be craft beer if everyone was doing what their neighbor was doing. I think one thing that's special about this industry is that you can pick up a lager from six or seven different breweries and not a single one is going to taste like the next. Right. So you can have a fridge full of lagers or pilsners or crispies or whatever you want to call it, and it's not going to be the same beer that might be sitting next to it. Um, and I think finding a place as you're balancing maybe those niche markets that you you pay attention to on a certain season to specialize in but still uphold those traditional styles and do them well i think in my opinion that is the mark of a good brewery right if you can play into those styles that people seek out for easy drinking for the lawnmower beer for for the hot summer deck beer right but you also have those pastry stouts those double dry hopped ipas um, the session saison, whatever it might be, if you can stock a shelf with the same brand and so many different styles, I think that is really unique. Right. Let's talk, um, before we dive into the anniversary party, let's talk about some of the changes that we've seen in the last, um, the last year or two. So the expansion with the, the, the trail house, when it was first uh, announced, uh, first written about in the news, it was the German beer hall downtown. Um, that obviously didn't happen, uh, probably for a couple different reasons, but the, the biggest one being uh, being COVID and what, what that did to this industry. Um, talk about that decision of shuttering that idea and transitioning it into what we now see as the trail house. Well, that idea just just fell apart when all these office jobs became home jobs. Uh, that effect that affected the residential population down there. That right. just got real impractical real fast. Uh, we got a deal up the street, nice uh, nice rent, short term lease, and uh, we had the out outside space, nice new space, and beautiful interior space. And we thought we'd, we'd try that uh, a nice pizza oven. Uh, so that, that was just kind of an opportunity, target of opportunity. Uh, that was so much, that's so much better deal than what was downtown. It cost us almost very, very little to invest in it. And if we want to get out of it, we can get out of it. We're, we're hoping we don't have to do that. Uh, but it's, 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 it's the only problem with it was geographically, it was close to this three blocks. Uh, but we think we can offer a different experience up there. Like I was saying, a little more emphasis on traditional versus uh, cutting edge. Um, the, the pizza, obviously. Uh, we're going to get uh, some food in here here shortly, mm. which will be very nice as well. Uh, but that, that, that was a no-brainer up there. That, that, we got the right guy to run that, and it's working out real well for us. So... Correct me if I'm wrong, but a big part of the expansion that was supposed to happen downtown was uh, an actual expansion of capacity, though, too. Was yes, that was supposed to be part of that. Uh, how does that factor into things going forward now? Uh, we haven't missed it. 
uh, COVID kind of wiped out a lot of it, you know? Right. And so I'm glad I didn't invest in a honking brewery down there. Uh, 10-year lease, don't know. I'm sorry, you know. <laughs> and uh, no, no, we haven't noticed a capacity issue yet. Uh, we hope to have one, but we haven't seen that yet. But the idea of as the world keeps returning to some kind of normalcy, people get back out again, people start drinking more beer again. Uh-huh. Um, the idea of at some point needing some more space. Not that things are super cramped here, but they're they're a little bit cramped. It's 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 not huge. Well, we, we, we've <laughs> talked about we've talked about things we could do. Uh, get the barrels off site would be the, probably the first thing. Put them in some other facility right. that opens up a lot. Uh, we we don't see us putting up another brewery uh, elsewhere for a long time. If if you know that's not that's not in the in the site. We like I said, we could increase our capacity by finding a new home for the barrels, and we've looked into that in the past. What other things, as you look towards the, the future of, of of Listerman, and as things keep evolving with craft beer and with with drinkers and and what else? What what other kind of uh, um, the future plans do you guys have that uh, uh, we've seen this tap room over the last, I don't know, when did the, when did the construction on the tap room start where the uh, renovations started happening? It seems like it's been forever that things have just been evolving into it's hard what it to say now. when that was at this point. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what's next for... Um, we don't have any solid uh, plans worked out. We're trying to get through the, uh, the trail house right now uh, when that's up and running and taking care of well, we'll we'll think about the next opportunity that comes along. I don't normally pursue things. I let, <laughs> I let things come to me and grab the opportunity. Well, and I, you know, I, I do think um, sometimes it's easy to, uh, for people to, to forget that there are changes happening when things are kind of slow and steady like that. It's not as flashy and as not as, as loud as maybe some of the other places that'll throw up a massive new brewery and it's in your face and it's like, hey, look at us, we, we got bigger. Um, uh, but to, to I mean, everybody's always talking about slow and steady growth, and that's the right way to do it. Um, that is definitely the way Listerman has done it over the years, and it seems to be the smart way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you see a lot of places that are that are hurting a little bit because they they grew very quickly, very I, fast. I'm impressed by some of the growth I see around town. Deeply impressed, and uh, I don't see the hurt you're talking about that much, honestly. Uh, it depends who you talk to. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk once I the microphone's off. <laughs> I can see where there could be some hurt, but I, I personally haven't. I've been impressed. I've been very impressed. People have done a lot of things, and they don't seem like they're having problems with them. Right. Um, let's talk. We'll get back to kind of the changes that we've seen with Lister. Let's talk about the anniversary party a little bit. Um, it is on what, the 18th? September 18th. Um, what do you guys have in store? What can people expect? Uh, you guys have been around for a long time, th- 13 years as a brewery, which um, on one hand um, makes it that much bigger for you to celebrate anniversaries. On the other hand, it's, uh, you, you've had a lot of anniversaries. It's yeah. hard to, uh, to give it the same attention every Absolutely. time. As <laughs> for sure. A lot of expectations. Yes. <laughs> How, what do you guys have planned for people? Obviously, we've we've already seen some announcements of a couple beers, and we've seen this really great graphic on social media of some shadows of other beers. We know there's some fun stuff coming. Um, what have you guys announced already as of when we're recording this, I guess we should say? <laughs> well, let's start with 
you know, you said there's a lot of anniversaries that have happened. As you've uh, alluded to that, there's been a lot of changes that have happened here. So we're very, very excited about this anniversary. You know, this is this anniversary is our baby for the first time. So we're very, very excited about what we are bringing to you guys for the 18th. Um, we have announced a couple beers, uh, one of them being our cuvee, um, which is our 13th anniversary beer, our XIII. Um, which what that is a uh, Buffalo Trace barrel age scoring discrepancies that is a rye cranium and a barley wine and all of those barrels or all that beer has been aging in barrels for over 18 months I want to say for all three of them so that one off the bat you throw a barley wine in there it gets a little weird it's tasting awesome I'm so excited for everybody to taste that um, we have our universal elixir that we had uh, announced already with the English toffee and other things um, that's coming in at 13%. Um, that was our whole play on the number 13, you know, right. 13th anniversary. Uh, then, you know, that can get into alchemy stuff. And now we have this universal, universal elixir that, you know, that we're bringing to you guys. And then, I don't know, do we want to announce one more? Go mm. for it. Um, well, you can expect Cranium. Ooh, it's going to make a lot of people happy. Yeah, Cranium's coming. So I know a lot of people have been asking for it. It's been since, what, 2019? Has it really been that long? I 2019. Think so. Wow. Yeah. so we have uh, had some Cranium uh, hanging out in barrels back there that we're pretty excited to bring to you guys. <laughs> I, uh, I love that as Listerman has grown throughout the years, um, you can still walk in the tap room and find things like... Uh, you know, like Nutcase or Chacao or see releases of things like Cranium that uh, just immediately bring you back to some of those early days of what this place was. And it still fits in so well with the personality today as much as it did them. And I, um, that's that's tough to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, one thing we're excited about, you know, is uh, for the VIP tickets, we are offering them a chance to purchase some beers from our whale jail. So our whale jail is our cellar right. that uh, we put a lot of badass beers into. <laughs> and we have pulled a couple select ones that we think that everyone is going to love. And with the VIP tickets, you get a chance to uh, invade our whale jail. <laughs> you, you guys were one of the first places that I can think of locally that stashed away stuff like that um, when you did bottle releases and stuff just to just to stash it away and, and see what happens with it. A and little time over, capsule. Over time, release it and kind of give people a chance to grab some of those cellared beers. And um, certainly there have been other places that have caught on to that and, and started kind of doing the same thing. But um, call it trend setting, call it uh, just uh, just being uh, being smart enough to do things that other people weren't, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a huge, to me, a huge part of what, again, Blisterman is. Um, so the party there is there more than one session i don't know how you guys are, yeah, are structuring it's a it this two year. session party um session one it's 12 to 4. 12 to 4 session two six to ten um those who had purchased the vip tickets will get early access in addition to the purchase of the whale jail bottles um there are 10 drink tickets included with the purchase of the tickets, which is super awesome. That means um, 10 also, awesome beers. 10 awesome beers. It's an exclusive draft system. So only anniversary participants will have access to those drafts. 
Um, the taster glass too. Yeah, we've got a commemorative taster glass as well that's included with that ticket purchase as well as the really awesome anniversary label design. We had that printed on, are they 12 ounce glasses? 13. 13 ounce glasses that are available for purchase. <laughs> right, we need that extra ounce, right? <laughs> 13's the key. Yeah. I, I think, um, especially as we are coming out of COVID, I don't want to say we're out of it. Obviously, there's still plenty going on. But as we are coming out of the last uh, the last year and a half of what life has looked like, um, people are just so ready to be out and to have that little bit of feeling of normalcy again. And it, it is it is perfect timing for an anniversary party, especially one from a brewery like Listerman that, is, that has been around forever. And um, everybody has some part of them that ties them to this place, be it somebody that was you know, here for a homebrew club meeting, sitting in that front room or, you know, buying homebrew supplies in the store or um, sitting at that wobbly bar when the tap room first opened. <laughs> you know, everybody has those memories that just that tie them to this place so deeply. And um, yeah, we have 200 of our closest friends coming to hang out with us. It's pretty cool. Uh, I'm excited. And I, I'm excited for people to start getting a hold of some of these beers and to uh, to start getting excited about them. Um, there's again something for everybody when you come to Listerman. <laughs> uh, and if you want all of the latest as things are announced, um, follow social media. Um, you guys probably already do uh, at, at at Listerman Brewing on pretty much everything. Is that right? Yeah. You got um, it. Hit them all up and and make sure you're following for all of those announcements as they happen. There's um, a lot coming. <laughs> there's, um, I can't wait to see as the more of those shadows are revealed on that uh, that artwork. <laughs> Um, let's, let's backtrack a little bit. Uh, you guys have had a lot of, uh, turnover in the last uh, year, we'll say of people, um, moving on to other projects. Um, how has that, how has that changed how things run around here? If it's a, it's a big question. <laughs> I think it's improved it a lot. Uh, it's, I'm really tickled with how. How things have uh, worked worked out, uh, a lot of, a lot lot smoother, whole lot smoother. It's uh, it's on one hand, it's got to be difficult to have um, to settle in some to some kind of normalcy. I mean, not that there wasn't um, changes that happened throughout the years as far as um, uh, brewers coming and leaving, and um, th that's always kind of happened with some of the big breweries around town. That's that's the nature of the beast when you're a, a place like this, um, but to have some of those big changes all happen um, pretty close to each other there had to be tough to, tough to make that transition. A well, it was bit. scary, but I'm, I'm really happy that we, we accomplished it. It's some big boots to step into um, as far as on the brewing side of things. You don't say. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that. How, is it, how has it been for you? Um, Honestly, you know what? It's been... Yeah, of course. It's, you know, taking on this kind of endeavor is not, I'm not going to tell anybody it's been a walk in the park or anything of that nature. Of course not. Any Anybody doing what we do on the brew side, it's a challenge every day. It doesn't really matter how long you've been doing it, how, you know, how consistent your team is, how big your operation is. None of that stuff really matters. At the end of the day, what you're doing every day is a challenge. Um, what I'm grateful for, you know, I kind of hinted at this earlier, you know, talking about, you know, my, my opportunity of being here with this team 
for the amount of time that I was before I took on this role was only an advantage. Um, and that's not just because I had a very familiar understanding of who Listerman is, because that absolutely is an identity. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I was learning from some of the best people that I've ever met in this industry doing what they do. Um, I don't, I don't think there's any question, anybody that has familiarity with who we are as a company and then the team that's been in place here in the past, you know, I, I consider the people that I was working with along my way to this position to be some of the best I've ever met in this industry. And so to have an opportunity to spend, you know, I almost consider it almost like a mentorship. You know, I, I had a chance to grow underneath some very talented people and to ask the questions that I needed to ask and to get the information that I needed. And they made me better at my job. And it put me in a position where I feel like I'm able to do my job now. And that's due in large part to, to learning from some very talented people. Saying that, Matt, though, has addressed a lot of neglected directions in which you're very appreciative of. Um, like what? Cleaning the place up. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond that, I'll be far beyond that. No, no. I'm I'm curious, like when you come in, when you come into a place like Listerman, you talk a lot about the personality of what Listerman is, and when you are stepping into a role that uh, that 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 had a lot of personality um, put into it by other people, how do you how do you kind of balance out that um, that need to 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 match up the personality of what Listerman has always been, but then also sprinkle in your own influence into that. Well, I think first and foremost, I think the idea that you step into that role and you're trying to mimic what it was is foolish on a number of levels. Um, for one, I am not, I'm not the people that came before me and I'm not going to try to pretend to be. And that is not shying away from what I'm capable of, but it's more so saying we had success being what we were and there are things that worked and there are things that didn't. And I think a lot of it has to do with saying, okay, here is what I gained from those experiences. Here is what now I can, in my opinion and in my confidence, this is what I believe I can bring to the table that builds on those things. Because, you know, and I would apply this, I worked in industries outside of brewing ahead of time. I think at the end of the day, when you have an opportunity to climb the ladder, it is really eye-opening to every single level of the process. And so I've had the opportunity, you know, when I, when I started here, I was, I was only in the brewery three days a week. I was in a delivery truck twice a week. I was cleaning bathrooms. I was restocking everything. I was, that was my job. I was kind of, I was the Swiss army knife when I started. And to be able to be in a position where I was able to start at that spot and soak everything in like a sponge ask questions, uh, observe, pay attention to every single aspect from essentially the bottom rung of the ladder. It gives you an outlook once you're at a different part of that ladder to be able to look down the whole system and say, here's how I can see things working a little bit better. It's, it's gotta be tough though, not to, not to throw ego into it, but when, when you get to a certain comfort level in that role, to look back at some of the stuff that is still going on and be like, this is, yeah, this, this is a huge part of who Listerman was for 
um, the last whatever amount of time, but um, this is not who I see Listerman as now. Um, I see it as kind of going this direction or going that direction. Whereas, you know, as of right now, like you can you can have a beer here, sit in that tap room, and there are still pieces of all of those people that came before you can you know if you sit there and drink a chikau it still screams kevin to me like it's you know there's still there's still so much of you know there's there's so much of those people that came before you in a place like listerman oh and and the only the analogy i would make there that means a lot to me um you know if if i found out today that i was going to sign with the boston red sox right i'm not going to try to undo the legacy of those that played before me you get a you get an opportunity to become the next chapter of the legacy. It's not about trying to one up or live up to. It's about making your own chapter that continues an ongoing legacy. You're not trying to undo what the people that did before you. Right. You're not trying to match them or mirror them. You're just simply at the end of the day, I'm wearing a jersey of the people that came before me. They wore that jersey, and your your objective is to take what they created and to carry it into the next chapter. And it may right. not look the same, and that's okay. I think evolution and progress is healthy and it's great. And I think ultimately, I look at this whole thing not like I have big boots to fill. I admire the people that came before me. But I think that it is an opportunity to carve a different path and to make my own name and do my own thing and bring my own signature to whatever this is going to be. And right now, you know, it's still a little fresh and we're still sorting out a little bit of that identity. But I'm frankly, I'm really damn proud of what we're doing. And I think we all are. And I I'm really excited about all the things that we get to continue to do moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I'll hop on that if you don't mind. Um, You know, Listerman is not about individuals. Listerman is about Listerman. You know, we have a past, we have a present, we have a future, but it's always going to be about Listerman. It's not about an individual. So real life experience, you know, that I was on the phone with Matthew the other day and we're talking about, you know, the upcoming brew schedule. And the thing I said to him is, okay, well, we're, we're, we're due for a stout. Let's make a Listerman stout. I'm not saying let's make this person's name stout. I'm not saying let's make that person's name stout. I'm saying let's make a Listerman stout. You know, whether that, that's going to have our flair on it, but it's still going to be what everyone came to expect out of Listerman, which is the creativity, you right. know, pushing boundaries. Let's make a Listerman stout. It's, uh, it's exciting to me to see um, you guys writing that, that next chapter. Like you said, I think you, you, you put it perfectly and, uh, I'm excited to see how you, you settle into this role and how you do start putting your stamp on this next phase of, of who Listerman is. Um, Very happy to say we haven't found we needed to blink at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, it, it also like coming, coming out of, of COVID where it already feels like everybody is needing a rebirth of, of some kind, um, opening up the, the second location, uh, all of those things kind of fit in perfectly to um, this 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 new awakening of of what Listerman is. So um, it all just kind of works out. <laughs> Doesn't it always just kind of end up working out the way it's supposed to? Yeah, just <laughs> relax. Things always work out. Um, as we wrap up the show, uh, I want to talk some bigger picture stuff a little bit. Um, Cincinnati craft beer, Dan. You've you've watched uh, every 
every change that has happened in Cincinnati Craft Beer, some good, some I've bad. I've tried to watch it. <laughs> Sometimes it's painful to... Uh, no, 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 it's fast. <laughs> it's really fast. Uh, what, gets you, what gets you excited right now about Cincinnati Craft Beer and what maybe gets you um, looking at it twice and Cincinnati maybe Cincinnati is becoming, a, obviously, a destination for beer lovers. I mean, I couldn't be more thrilled about that. That's, we're, we're on the map that way. I, I love that. When you guys started brewing, there were you were the the fifth brewery in Something town. Like that, that is yeah. counting Miller in Trenton. That's counting Sam Adams on Central Parkway. <laughs> right. That's counting Hofbrau House. That's you know, you, so, you were the the second locally owned brewery. The second like second that, yes. what I would call craft brewery right. in town. That even that's our. You guys were early on. <laughs> um, Why not? Uh, what are we up to now? <laughs> it depends on how you count it. Yeah. There's, it's confusing because there are so many places that uh, there's a lot of places that look like breweries in town. Uh, shout out to North High and Brew Dog and places like that. Uh, the invasive species. Um, uh, there's a lot of places like that that technically have brewing licenses, uh, but I don't think there's any uh, stainless steel in their their buildings at all. Um, do you count them? Do you not count them? Uh, places with multiple locations. How do you count those? So, seventy-ish is the <sighs> kind of count. I think my count that I would honestly say is probably closer to mid fifties, uh, somewhere around there. Like I said, it's hard to keep track. Of. <laughs> it's it's impossible. What uh, what makes you? I don't want to say nervous about craft beer these days, but what kind of gives you that that second look at things? I uh, when this, these these things started to happen, when everybody and their brother with too much money got to make a brewery, right? Uh, I I was a little frightened about that because I thought that oh they're going to fail left and right, and COVID hit, and I had even more feelings that way. I'm thrilled to say that that did not happen. Um, yeah. Yet, <laughs> I'm still not completely comfortable. With. Okay, but uh, it, the, the, the survivability was always something that I worried about, and uh, that, that seems to be uh, on, uh, not not an issue. That's really pleasing to me to see that. And you can, and, and it's starting to uh, little neighborhoods are building up. Everybody has a little, a little turf around mm -hmm. the area. We're getting to neighborhood breweries, which I've always felt was was really cool. Oh like yeah, it's. Idea. There's there's some parts of town that you look at and you're like oh wow like there's there's its own little thing happening yeah. here now right. that uh, um, you know you look at Milford with Little Miami and then you know the distillery across the street that's also going to be a brewery you have you know Hamilton with all kinds of excitement going on you have these little places that you're like what is going on like I, if you had told me you know ten years ago that this would be this. I'd have told you you're crazy. You Sons know? of toil. <laughs> yes. My gosh. <laughs> and it is 100% worth a drive all the way out to Mount Oreb to grab a beer there. <laughs> I never thought I would say that in my life. No. no. <laughs> um, what about anybody else? Things that make you excited about uh, the current craft beer world or maybe a little not excited about it? <laughs> I mean, I'd say just the, the competition. You know, I mean, we're a community. All of us in the brewing industry, you know, we are a community. We we have each other's backs. If, even if you're quote unquote competition, if you call us up and say, "Hey, I need a bag of grain," we got you. You know, and they would do that for us as well. But the competition that just breeds creativity. It, you know, we 
everyone's pushing brown boundaries is without the competition how do you get to that next level right hey man you know so the beatles wouldn't be the beatles without the beach boys <laughs> you know so so i just appreciate everyone pushing boundaries doing their best and making put putting cincy on the map for a, a excellent beer town you know right. is the more people are pushing boundaries the more creative we have to get the better things are so i love how many breweries have here because it just only it only makes us better right as long as as long as that collaborative spirit uh maintains uh front and center for everybody right um, well, that's, I mean, that's that, an easy one, thing, one thing to about listening collaboration is never gonna leave us i'll <laughs> no. tell you that you know uh, actually i'm gonna piggyback on that i gotta say i got into beer coming from a career in a very very different field where uh the success of others basically meant my failure um and other people doing well meant that i wasn't probably doing well if it, it just didn't work that way zero sum. yeah zero yeah exactly zero sum and i think Somebody described it to me when I first started working in this industry and they said, everybody plays well in the sandbox. And I, that has never come out of my mind. It's so relevant that you can literally find yourself at any given moment. I could reach out to any brewery in this city or outside of this city. Hey, we need this. Hey, we need this. Looking for this. Look, recommendations on this. And I'm going to get flooded with responses. This industry looks out for one another because it kind of fit. Instead of it being a, if somebody else succeeds, I'm failing. It fits more of the rising tide lifts all ships. Right. You know? And so the idea of like, oh yeah, we've got our spot here. If another brewery is going in down the street, that doesn't mean bad news for me. It's like, hey, we all get to benefit from this. And I think that's been the really, for me, you know, I'm, I'm about, I'm two and a half years in with Listerman. And so there's been a new wave of breweries that have come in, in these last couple of years and being, a, being able to like tell other people about those places, getting a chance to go explore, Hey man, they got the grand opening. I want to go hit it up. I want to see how it's going. And then I'm going to tell anybody that comes into our brewery, Hey, you need to go see this place. Right. They're brand new. They're doing everything right. They make incredible product. You need to go support those people. And that is kind of the general attitude of this industry, which is what makes me love it at the baseline. Another thing is that it's hard to find bad beer produced in this. I'm, now, I, I 100% with you. I drank in the 90s. And if you, if you it's hard were, to find good beer sometimes. It was difficult sometimes. I mean, if you went into a brewery and you had a lousy beer, that's what they made. Okay, don't go back. Today, you're just going to have a hard time saying, oh, they make lousy beer. Very difficult. It's, it, that's a really huge change. I also think that uh, drinkers are starting to forget what bad beer really is, which is starting to shift now that people are saying things are bad just because they don't like it not realizing how lucky we are. <laughs> it's, it's clearly people who did not drink in the 90s that do not remember what things were like because we do not have bad beer. <laughs> well, let me throw a little shout out in there to uh, Dan Listerman himself, you know, of starting manufacturing brew parts 30 years ago that brought, you know, that home brew, that creative energy into Cincinnati, into right. the underbelly of Cincinnati that, you know, yeah, of course we're, 
known for our history of lockers and all that kind of stuff, but home brewing and pushing boundaries, you know, I mean, 30 years ago, Dan Listerman was providing parts to people right. to do that. And so I feel like, you know, he, he has a big, big place in this industry, especially here in Cincinnati. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's at that time, there weren't craft breweries around where you could just go to your neighborhood spot and grab a great beer. Um, home brewing became an outlet for people to get something better, usually better sometimes, maybe not better, but <laughs> to get something a little bit different than what was the norm. And it really did um, ignite passion for a lot of people that yeah. you see now um, extremely successful in this industry that, uh, that, that, that started that whole career on, on I mean, we, we, we get the, parts. you know, the people, Hey, I want to come work for you. My dad used to buy homebrew parts from you. Yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty cool stuff <laughs> there. I, I will go out on a limb and say that there's probably not a single person making beer in the city that did not at one point spend money in Lister. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other homebrew shops tried to open up. I said, that's great. They'll, they'll start somebody out there. I'll get him eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the thing that kind of connecting all of this, the thing that I love the most, the the term I've always used, I guess not really a term, a uh, metaphor, I guess, is breweries have become what used to be your local pub. Mm -hmm. um, I love that we live in a city where if you're like, all right, what neighborhood are you in? I'll tell you what your brewery is. And it, breweries have kind of taken that place of like what used to be the neighborhood pub where you go in, you get the same whatever word you want to use there. But like, yeah, you go in and get the same stuff, but it's just your local spot. Now, every neighborhood, every little pocket of the city kind of has its own. And, and you can travel around Cincinnati and that's like, I tell people all the time, like I've lived in New York, I've lived in Los Angeles. Cincinnati is the secret mecca of great beer. Nobody talks about it. You want to talk about Asheville. You want to talk about San Diego. You want to talk about the Northeast. You want to talk about the Northwest. Cincinnati is a perfect beer city because no matter if you come into town and you're staying up north, great. You're going to find great beer. Right. You've got a handful of breweries that you can pop into. And they all have their own signature. And that, I think, is just speaking to the quality of product that's happening in this entire city. Because, yeah, you got some places that have, like you said, you, if, I, if anybody ever comes into this tap room and they talk about how much they love sours, yeah, of course I'm going to send them to Urban. That's what they do great. Mm -hmm. like, and that's something that everybody has their own kind of personality. But... The breweries themselves have become your neighborhood pub. And so instead of going to that local watering hole and getting your, I don't, I don't want to say names. Say macro. Just, <laughs> macro. Macro, sure. I don't want to get sued. Shout out to Schlitz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't want to get sued here. But yeah, instead of going in and getting the same things that are on tap at the neighborhood, you know, down the street, like, oh no, we're in this neighborhood now. Right. So instead of going to such and such pub, I'm going to this brewery. I'm getting what they make, and they make it really damn well. And even cooler than that, you know, like you go to your community brewery, and they're sourcing ingredients from other community shops. So right. not only are you getting a taste of your community's beer, but you're getting a taste of other things from your community, whether it be honey, whether it be coffee, you know, whatever it is, being a craft industry 
we just by nature keep that local, you know? So we reach out to our other neighborhood people who are doing their own thing and we collaborate. And so you're not only getting a taste of the beer that's born at that brewery, but you're getting a taste of the neighborhood. Right. It just keeps, keeps growing, keeps, keeps growing. evolving, keeps getting better and better and better. And I, I've hinted at this in some past episodes. I do have a post coming that will break it down step by step why Cincinnati is better than Asheville. It's, <laughs> it's a very difficult article, and it's taking me a very long time to write it. Um, shout out to my kids for not giving me any free time to do things like that. Um, thank you guys very much. Thank um, you. Everybody, like I said, follow them on social media for all of the latest announcements on everything. Get out here to the anniversary party, or if you can't, um, just get out here sometime and grab a beer or whatever it is that floats your boat. Just get out here and spend some time. It is, uh, it's definitely a, I want to say a hidden treasure of Cincinnati craft beer, but there's no way this is hidden anymore. Everybody knows about (laughs) Listerman. Listerman is, um, definitely a huge part of what makes Cincinnati beer, Cincinnati beer. Um, all, all roads lead to Listerman. Isn't that what the, uh, the article said back in, uh, Cincinnati magazine a few years ago. (laughs) It's, uh, it's very true. And, and, um, just as much today as it was then. <laughs> Do what? It's only gotten worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a good thing. It just means that uh, um, that things keep growing around here. So, um, thank you guys. Uh, thank you. Thanks thank a you. lot, man. Thank you for having. We us. will definitely be back next week. I think. Don't quote me on this, but I think we're at Kerrigan next week. I think. Probably drinking some bourbon and pretending that we're just drinking as beer. you should. <laughs> and tequila. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, things things are exciting here in Cincinnati. We have some really fun episodes coming up, so um, stay tuned for that. And uh, go to thegnarlygnome.com slash support if you like what I do, because that's how you keep my wife happy. <laughs> Cincy Brewcast, <laughs> the voice of Cincy Craft. <laughs>